This is the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Cranson. Today, we're going to be talking about legislation related to Michigan transportation that was adopted in 2022 and maybe some that, that wasn't adopted. And we'll look ahead to see what might be on the legislative calendar going into 2023. And here to break it down is someone I consider the John Meacham of Michigan Transportation, MDOT Senior Policy Analyst, Arne Frobham, and the Director of MDOT's Office of Government Affairs, Troy Hagan, and I guess I consider the Troy Hagan of Michigan Transportation. So thank you, Arnie, for being here. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Uh, my job is to help Troy figure out what's in all these bills. Uh, I always tell people that when the legislature is in session, they introduce an average of a little over one bill a day that affects the transportation sector somehow. It seems about right. And Troy, thank you too for taking time. Thank you, Jeff, uh, for inviting me to participate. I appreciate that. And uh, I could not do my job without Arnie. Uh, Arnie is the uh, brains behind the legislative operation of MDOT. He is the brains behind a lot of things, and I, I couldn't do my job without him either. He uh, He's a great resource for us. Well, let's let's go ahead and jump into, uh, you know, I guess let's start with this. Uh, Troy, you give me your answer, and then Arnie can give me his answer. But what do you think was the most significant transportation-related legislative bill in the past year? For me, I think the most uh, significant transportation-related pieces of legislation in the past was uh, the federal aid buyback uh, legislation, which allowed counties to access MDOT um, federal aid at a cheaper uh, rate, and uh, MDOT um, gets their state funding. And and the reason that I believe that that was a significant uh, piece of uh, legislation was because we had we started working on that in the governor very early on in the governor's uh, term that start that came up in August of uh, 2019 right after the governor had been elected and sworn in you know it, we had just gotten through the summer months and it took that entire uh, first session and we didn't get it until the second session of the legis- of the governor's term so to me that was a big significant. Um, reform that uh, was, you know, a bipartisan reform, let me put it that way, that was introduced by members of of the majority party. And, you know, we worked diligently to, to craft a piece of legislation that worked both for the department, the locals, and, you know, bipartisanly within the legislature. So, Arnie, before we talk more about that, uh, would you agree, or is there something else you would rate higher in terms of significance? No, I think I'd agree that uh, the federal aid swap program revived something that that used to be in business here in Michigan until uh, about 15 years ago, when the funding simply got too tight to permit it. But it's um, it's in operation again now here in fiscal 23, and it allows counties and the larger cities to, uh, once they're approved for federal aid, to exchange that federal aid for state cash at the rate of 90 cents on the dollar. Which, and why are uh, they willing to do that? Well, administering a, a project from uh, with state funds is a lot cheaper and simpler than administering federal aid. It's just a red tape thing? 
Mostly, yes. It, it exempts the projects from some federal requirements, not all of them. And then the federal aid is returned to MDOT for use on our statewide program. Uh, the, the $25 million available in this year was subscribed for almost immediately. And this year we'll make uh, $35 million in swaps available for fiscal 24. And that will continue at the rate of $45 million a year so long as the state trunk line funds are acceptable or available. Maybe we should, uh, you know, for reset, for anybody that doesn't understand Michigan's, uh, I don't know if it's unique, but uh, it's probably most people don't know that we have 616 road agencies. And, you know, whether that's good or bad doesn't really matter because that's the way it is. Um, talk about that and, and, you know, how does that compare to, to other states and why are some more streamlined? Well, in some states, uh, federal aid is available only to the state highway agency. Because Michigan has so many local miles and so many local highway agencies, uh, roughly 25% of the federal aid is passed through to the local units. But especially for the smaller ones, it's it's sometimes a troublesome thing for them to operate on. So uh, along with about 20, I think it's 23 other states, uh, Michigan now enables the local units to return their federal aid back to the state highway agency. So Troy, I always marvel at the patience it takes to, to do your job and you go back to legislators and they change every six years or every eight years. And fortunately, that's going to change because of a, a, what I think is a good revision in the term limits laws. But you've got to re-educate these people and start over again a lot of times in these kinds of laws that can be complex and archaic and uh, you keep at it. So talk about this one in particular and why it seems like a no-brainer on the surface. Why was it uh, still so difficult to get across the finish line? Well, it really was the uh, mechanics of the of the drafted legislation itself. I mean, as drafted or as introduced, the way it was drafted, the mechanics of the statute just really did not work with the way that federal aid is administered. So it took a lo- it took a long time to be able to educate those who introduced the legislation, our external stakeholders, as well as um, members of each of the of the transportation policy committees on the mechanics of which of how we administer federal aid and the processes in which it goes through, and then to uh, bring them along with actually the redrafting of it that that Arnie did and the way that it could actually be implemented. So it was a to get them to understand that. Yes, we can implement this, but it has to be drafted in a way that is able to be implemented. And that's really what took so long in getting that to the governor's desk for her uh, for her signature. And in the end, I mean, we were successful in doing that. And uh, Chairman Barrett, who's chairman of the of the Senate Transportation Committee, was just was very um, worked very cooperatively with us and with the sponsors in allowing MDOT to draft it and, and then help bring along the rest of the, of the folks. So another one that uh, I think was definitely significant and it's still hard to say because we're in a brave new world when it comes to automated vehicle technology and how fast that's going to be a thing. Um, you know, there's debates about whether or not it's it's still on a fast track or whether some PR issues and and public perceptions often often misguided perceptions are 
slowing it down, but Senate Bill 706, which helped the company Cavenu uh, with what they want to do with dedicated lanes for AV travel, automated vehicle travel. Talk first, Arnie, I guess, about that bill and what it does. Yeah, this bill was necessary because there was no law in Michigan that enables MDOT to restrict any of the lanes of the state highway system to one particular class of user or another. Uh, For a while, there was briefly enacted a a law enabling uh, HOV lanes, which was used on Michigan Avenue during the I-75 reconstruction, but that was only temporary. But now what we have is a law that enables us to uh, restrict certain lanes on the system to specially equipped vehicles, such as automated or uh, what we call connected vehicles that communicate with each other or with the highway system. And they, uh, it remains to be seen if uh, if any of the experimenters in that area will ever will use this law in the short term. But if we wanted to carve out a piece of the system for, for this kind of experimentation, we could do it. And that's another one, Troy, that you and your, your office worked very hard on. Can you talk a little bit about that process and how you got such a strong bipartisan support? Certainly. So that one, um, 706 was unique from the standpoint that it did not go through the traditional uh, transportation committees, at least on the Senate side. It went through more of an economic development committee on the Senate side. So it was, it was um, from my standpoint and from my colleague's standpoint in my office, it was fun to be able to work with different members of the of the Senate on an important piece of legislation like this. It was, uh, 706 was very important to external stakeholders as well as the governor's office. So again, it really came down to the, to be able to craft a piece of legislation that we were going to be able to all implement together. And so it was drafted before introduction by you know, stakeholder um, attorneys and advocates, and then, you know, presented to M- to the executive branch of government and to the legislative branch. And then that's really when the executive branch and legislative branch sat down and really worked uh, together to be able to craft something that, that we could uh, implement. And I think, I think in the end, we came out uh, with a good, with a good piece of legislation that as Arnie said, if in the short term uh, these providers do uh, want to utilize, that we will be able to um, implement. And it, it it was exciting as well because it can it continued Michigan's uh, legislative legacy of being able to craft legislative compromises that and policy that um, in this arena that does get, you know, wide bipartisan support. And, uh, you know, if we're going to continue to be the leader in all things mobility in Michigan, then this is the kind of thing we have to embrace. And that's why the governor and Mayor Duggan and Bill Ford, uh, chairman of the board, Ford Motor Company, uh, announced this with with great fanfare in Detroit a couple of years ago um, at, you know, what is going to be the the kind of new mobility headquarters for Ford uh, down in Corktown. And I think that significance can't be overstated, but we also are going to have to keep a close eye on things and see how they develop. Because like anything like this, that you're, you know, you're taking some risks and 
you're you're betting on technology and betting on adoption of that technology, it's hard to say how long it takes and where it ends, right? No, you're exactly right, Jeff. That I mean, yeah, when when you are pursuing moonshots, those are I mean, you have to make sure that you're doing the risk analysis um, as well that goes along with pursuing of of advanced and new technologies. We will continue the conversation right after a quick break. The Michigan Department of Transportation reminds you that when a vehicle collides with another vehicle, person, or other object, it is a crash, not an accident. By reducing human error, we can prevent crashes and rebuild Michigan roads safely. So, Arnie, a couple others on your list were uh, the updated vehicle code for the Q-Line streetcar. What was the what was the revision there? Well, it didn't involve the department too much, but it was a very nice job by the city of Detroit. Uh, it's It's been, uh, well, let's see, almost 70 years since people have had to steer around streetcars on Woodward Avenue, but now they do again. So uh, the legislature went back and adjusted the vehicle code to remind people that, no, you can't park on the streetcar tracks. And uh, So did I tell you about a time a couple of years ago I was having lunch with a friend of mine at the Detroit News in the pot belly right there off of Woodward. And all of a sudden there was this incessant honking. And I looked out and it was the streetcar and the driver was honking because a pickup truck had stopped on the tracks and the driver was running into Starbucks and just let the truck sit there. So, yeah, I'd say this was necessary. Yeah, there were a few other housekeeping type uh, bills that that went through. Uh, One thing that was done was to update... uh, Michigan's laws governing the 0.08% blood alcohol content and laws governing truck driver training to match federal laws affects only a few people, but it it also keeps Michigan in compliance with federal law and ensures that the federal aid funds keep flowing. There was an update to the law that enables road agencies to recover from damage to the roadside infrastructure from vehicle crashes, including things like truck collisions with bridges. It's now a little bit easier to recover from truck operators, although the upper million dollar limit on the total recovery amount, that's still in place. Yeah, there's going to need to be more work there. Uh, Troy, do you see that uh, getting any traction again? Because it's it's the first question anybody asks when one of these happen, you know, who pays for it and how much can you get, right? Yeah, I think that that's always a consistent um, interest of the legislature. And as we have seen, I mean, over my uh, 15-year career here at MDOT, I've definitely seen a much greater proliferation of, of those bridgeheads. <laughs> so in the way that those affect uh, mobility around the state. So I, I definitely think as that touches more uh, citizens' lives and in and, and they contact legislators, I think that we'll continue to see work in that area. So looking ahead, you know, um, well, there's a, there's a couple pending right now. I mean, as we record this on Wednesday, December 7th, and the, the Senate is probably wrapping up, sounds like there's a chance that there's going to be uh, adoption of, of this law that uh, would require the use of more concrete barrier um, to protect workers and construction zones. Is that still very much alive? Yes, that's my understanding is that that's still very much alive. And there's a substitute that a substitute bill that MDOT agreed to uh, that would be adopted by the state Senate uh, today. 
and then they would need to go back to the uh, House of Representatives for concurrence. And that just means that the House would concur in the changes that the Senate made to the bill. And then it could be uh, ordered and rolled and, and sent to the governor, presented to the governor for her signature. Um, so that is an area that um, MDOT continues to focus on with all of our external stakeholders as work is um, safety and work zones. So if the concrete barrier bill does in fact uh, pass and is signed by the governor, work zone safety and with that bill is one area that uh, was legislative policy that was enacted this year. The second one was a bill uh, to bring up or to have uh, digital speeds uh, signs in work zones, which just helps folks identify their speed as they're entering work zones. And then also, uh, unfortunately, work zone automated uh, enforcement with cameras uh, did get some legislative discussion this year. Uh, there was a couple of different bills that were introduced on the House side uh, and one bill on the Senate side, but uh, it does not appear at this time that any of those will be uh, will be brought across the finish line. So we'll be continue to work with those in the next legislative uh, session. But I think that the legislative wins out of those are that we were able to take large groups of uh, legislators, uh, one group on the west side of the state, one group on the east side of the state, and we were really able to showcase that technology and show what it's doing around the country to drive down speeds uh, and how it works in work zones. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's it's been successful in other states. And uh, just trying to remind people somebody works here, you know, it's just that all, all the various uh, metaphors that you hear and see about imagine having somebody speed through your work area um, it's it's not something we can probably over overemphasize but arnie talk a little bit about another one that uh that is pending maybe voted on by the time people hear this podcast it's not uh it's not an mdot bill but it's certainly a transportation bill um 1153 and what that does in terms of uh affecting certain toll facilities, uh, bridges and tunnels in Michigan, and uh, the ability for those operators to go after people who don't pay their tolls over a period of time. Yeah, very late in the session, a bill was introduced that uh, would let the operators of toll bridges and the Detroit River Tunnel uh, use car registration as a, as a way to uh, enforce the payment of tolls. Most toll bridge operators are moving to a system where you you don't have to stop and and hand over cash to a toll collector. You simply equip your car with a uh, a radio device that records your passage as you as you fly under the toll toll booth. And of course, it's possible to drive through without one of those devices. So the uh, operators of the Detroit International Bridge, uh, the Ambassador Bridge, asked the legislature to tell the Secretary of State that they must refuse the registration of a car that violates the the automated toll booth uh, at least three times. And that has, has passed one house and it twice says it might go the rest of the distance yet this afternoon. So Yeah, it passed the Senate 34 to 3. I mean, it had strong bipartisan support. Um, Secretary of State 
Senate's office uh, has some reservations about it. I think they don't want to have to be in the enforcement business and the business of telling people, I'm sorry, you can't register your vehicle because of this. But it sounds like the last thing I heard today is that they've worked out some compromise language and they think they might they might get there. And it seems, you know, like right now it's it's limited in its application. But given that we have a, a broader tolling study going on, you know, that could or couldn't extend tolling to other roads in Michigan. I mean, this seems like something that you should be thinking about looking ahead to if you're going to do tolling without toll booths and gantries that you've got to have some enforcement mechanism, some reason to incentivize people to actually pay the toll, just like you pay a parking ticket or, you know, anything else. Yeah, it's until you sit and think about it, you don't realize that there are now eight toll bridge and tunnel operators in Michigan. That includes a, a possible new operation at Bay City and the uh, the new Gordie Howe International Bridge that's under construction at Detroit. The tolls will be collected in Canada for that one. Yeah, that's right. But uh, it's uh, but certainly all these operators will, will sooner or later have electronic toll collection. Absolutely. It's just the most efficient way. I mean, it just makes sense. It's, it's, yeah, it's, actually, Michigan already has an agreement with uh, some other toll road operators to uh, to try to collect tolls from Michigan drivers if they uh, blow through without stopping on the, the toll road around Ontario and perhaps some others. How does that work? At, at the very least, they'd forward the address to the uh, to the Canadian operator. They wouldn't be able to withhold registration here in Michigan, but they uh, they would try to help other other states and other countries toll operators uh, collect from any Michigan drivers who uh, might be deadbeats, but I'm sure there aren't many of those. That's probably a good place to wrap it up. <laughs> I, uh, I I appreciate it. Anything else either one of you want to say about this year? I mean, I, I know you probably feel like uh, these things flew under the radar somewhat, and they did, but uh, um, really these are these are significant and significant policy changes, and I think for the better. The only one, that, the only thing I'd like to add is there was also a creation of a new. Uh, multimodal office within MDOT, and that was the Office of uh, Ports. Um, that was another bipartisan bill package. So I'd just like to add that uh, the legislature and MDOT worked together to uh, you know, renew our focus on ports and also create a uh, grant program for ports that we're waiting mm-hmm. on um, appropriation uh, to seed that program. But I think that that will be beneficial uh, for Michigan's ports and shipping industry as well moving forward. And just to wrap up on my end, I'd like, you know, like to say how happy I am with this legislative term and and the amount of bipartisan work we were able to accomplish on all of our legislative efforts. And and really, everything had um, bipartisan. Uh, sponsors, if it was a multi-bill package, or bipartisan co-sponsors, and then really went through the legislature in a bipartisan fashion. And, you know, we we were able to work very, very well with uh, all of our uh, chairs and subcommittee chairs. And even though we, we maybe we didn't get a, a large number of bills, signed into law and there's it's, always it's quality that, not quantity Troy. right and there's always that elephant in the room of long-term sustainable funding uh 
but it, it really was a successful legislative uh, term uh, for MDOT and I believe for a lot of transportation stakeholders. No, I agree. Well said. And I think uh, in this era that we live in to accomplish those, to accomplish anything in a bipartisan fashion is a huge deal. So yeah, I think, I think you and your team deserve some congratulations and certainly Arnie and others in planning who help us with the analysis and help us understand what these are so that we can explain them to people. That's very helpful too. So thank you both. I appreciate it. I hope you guys both have great holidays. Uh, Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Arnie. I hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. You can find show notes and more information at either the Buzzsprout site or on Apple Podcasts. I also want to thank the people who work on this podcast and make it as good as it can be each week. Chiefly, Randy Debler, who does the audio editing. Also, Jackie Salinas, who puts the transcript together. Jesse Ball, who proofreads the show notes. And Courtney Bates, who posts the podcasts on the various platforms. 